Today is, of course, Pentecost Sunday. It is a, a day that the Jewish people have celebrated for many years. It was a harvest celebration. They were celebrating the harvest uh, of their grain and everything that they were growing. And so God said, hey, let's do a celebration. Aren't you glad we serve a God who likes to celebrate? You know, it was a, celebra- a harvest celebration and this celebration, it was a that celebration. It was, they were, Jewish people were constantly instructed to have celebrations. Some of their festivals and feasts were about remembrance. Others were simply about thankfulness about what God has done. And so uh, today marks Pentecost Sunday. It was a harvest celebration. And of course, it was also uh, recorded in Acts chapter 2, where on the day of Pentecost, the disciples were gathered together and there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And we commemorate that day as the day the church began. And so we're living in what we could call the uh, church age, and that was the mark of the beginning of that was in Acts chapter number 2. You're in 1 Corinthians 12, but we're going to look at two verses very quickly, Acts chapter 1 verse 4, and that's going to be up on the screen behind me. On one occasion, while Jesus was eating with them, the disciples, He gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. So Jesus here is saying, guys, you're just about there. Three years ago, you remember what John the Baptist said. John the Baptist says, you know, this is one coming after me, this, the Messiah. I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. He is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And so Jesus is saying, guys, we're just about there. Don't leave Jerusalem. Wait for the promise that has been given to you. Then in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. I want to read one verse that we don't have listed here, but it's found in John chapter number 7. This is where Jesus is speaking. It says, on the last and greatest day of the festival, again, a festival, God loves festivals, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, in other words, he was He was exerting himself. He wanted to make sure everyone heard, and he wanted to make sure that they understood, hey, this is important. I'm not whispering this to you. I'm saying this in a bold, loud voice. He said, let anyone, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. And whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within him. I just know that verse brings such encouragement and strength to us because it is a constant reminder that anyone who's thirsty, anyone who's just exerted themselves in this world and tried to find satisfaction in this world and tried to find a way to bring fulfillment on their own, and you become thirsty and thirsty, and you're still thirsting for the fulfillment that only God gives. He said, if anyone's thirsty, If anyone is still sticking a needle in their arm, if anybody's still down in the bottle of booze, if anybody is still out there searching for stuff to try and fill the void in their life, if anyone is still thirsty, 
let him come to me and drink. And out of his innermost being, out of the depths of his life, will just flow rivers of living water. And the next verse says that by this he was speaking about the Holy Spirit. We see, Jesus wants to fill us with the Holy Spirit. He's given us the Spirit, which we drink, which we receive, and which then flows out of us to minister to other people. You're there in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, and we're going to read verses 1 through 6, and then we're going to come back to this a little bit later. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 through 6, the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is writing to a church in Corinth, which was a really exciting church. They loved to celebrate. They kind of went a little too far, but they loved to celebrate. How many of you would rather go a little too far than not celebrate at all? Okay, we're in the right place. 1 Corinthians 12, 1, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. In the year 2000, or the year 2020, rather, 2019, sorry, I'll get it right. 2019, there were 2,000 people uh, that conducted a survey, and they wanted to find out if they were fulfilling their childhood dream for the job that they wanted when they were a child. It found that 67% had failed to fulfill their childhood dream job, 58% wish they had, and out of those that were not fulfilling their dream job, 82% we're presently not pursuing those dream jobs as an adult. And then they went to children and they asked, okay, what is your dream job? What do you want to do when you grow up? And this is a list of the top 10 that children wanted to do when they grow up. Teacher. Let's hear it for the teachers. Yeah. All the teachers are getting ready to sing that wonderful godly hymn, It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year. Teacher, writer, musician, doctor, movie star, veterinarian, artist, police officer, business owner, and professional athlete. Top 10 desires for children. You go to a, children and a child and you say, what do you want to do? What do you want to be when you grow up? There's always a dream. There's always something vibrant. And if you look at this list... Predominantly, these are about helping other people. There are a few that might be categorized as somewhat self-serving, but for the most part, children want to help other people. There's an, there's an understanding that we're born with, that there is something greater than us, there's someone greater than us, and that people are important, and that we have the desire in us to help other people. That's a God-given desire. That's something that God placed within us. 
is that we are social and we need one another and we need to minister to one another. And so God gives us that ability to help other people. And certainly there are people who are helping others who aren't Christians, but yet in the greatest fulfillment that we can have as people, if we're going to minister to people the way God has called us to minister to, we must follow the one who's called us and be filled with the goodness and the power and the grace and the mercy that he gives us in order to fulfill our greatest potential. The Holy Spirit is given to us so that we can fulfill our greatest potential. If you look all the way back in the book of Genesis where God spoke to Adam, he created this whole world, he created all the plants and the animals and the fish and everything, and then he creates Adam and he says what? He says, go work. He says, take dominion over this. He says, I want, I'm placing you in charge. You're to organize you're to uh, categorize. You're to name all of the animals. He gave him dominion over that entire Garden of Eden and all that was inhabiting the earth at that time. We, he had that desire to say, yes, I want to fulfill what God has called me to do, just like you have that desire. But of course, there's problems that come in the way, right? There's, there's a lack of trust that leads to sin. In 2009, John Mayer released a song called Half of My Heart, in which the song basically says, I only love you with half of my heart. I see it's a problem, but I can't fix it. Some of you going, who's John Mayer? Anyway, that's okay. You're the real Christians in the group. Okay, that's great. All right. Yeah, we, we, we feel like struggle, struggle, don't we? That we're like, God, how am I loving you with all of my heart or am I holding something back? We feel that struggle of division. That's why Jesus in Revelation, he says, you know what? Be on fire for me or be ice cold told me. Don't get caught in the middle of lukewarmness with half of your heart engaged. And so we as believers and Followers of Christ, what are we doing? We're trying to say, God, I'm, I'm, I want to serve you in a greater capacity. I want to I surrender more of my life to you. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is not so much about an experience. It's about saying, Lord, I want to alleviate out of my life things so that you can fill that void in my life. Lord, I'm surrendering everything to you and saying, Lord, fill me with your spirit so I can fulfill my greatest purpose, which is from you. We see in the Old Testament specific anointings of the Holy Spirit or outpourings of the Holy Spirit, if you will, predominantly for the offices of prophet, priest, and king. God would call people to be a prophet. He would empower them by his spirit to do that. And so generally we would find there was an older prophet who recognized that spirit in a younger person and would then anoint them with oil, pray over them, and that gift would begin to flourish and grow. We also see schools of the prophet in the Old Testament. Then a priest. This, these came from the tribe of Levi, and uh, this was a secession through the generations, and yet still they would have an anointing of God to minister as priest in the temple and in the category of worship. And then, of course, the king, the most famous king of Israel is, of course, David, who was anointed by the prophet even as a teenager to become king. 
So we see that Jesus held and fulfilled all three of these offices. He fulfilled prophet, priest, and king. But in the Old Testament, there were also other special instances where the Holy Spirit was poured out on people for specific reasons. We see that in the life of Gideon, where there was an enemy and God was uh, going to change the tide, if you will. And so he spoke to Gideon while threshing wheat in a wine press. That's a whole nother story. And he said, I'm going to use you to overcome the enemy. So there was a specific anointing for that. We see Samson, who the Spirit of God would come on him and he would fight against the Philistines and he would win. But yet, in both Gideon's case and in Samson's case, a lack of trust led to sin, which then caused the Holy Spirit to, if you will, back up. We see that in King Saul, the first king that Israel ever had. The Bible tells us in 1 Samuel 10.10 that the Holy Spirit came upon Saul when he was anointed to be king. But then just six chapters later, after a lack of trust that led to sin, where Saul said, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my own thing. I'm going to be a king the way I want to be a king, and I'm going to do what I want to do, irregardless of what the prophet tells me God wants me to do. And as a result of that, in 2, king, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 16, verse 14, it says the Holy Spirit removed was removed from King Saul. So in the Old Testament, we see the Holy Spirit being poured out on certain offices and on specific people for specific reasons. However, is that the day in which we live? Is that what the Holy Spirit does now? There are a couple of prophecies about the Holy Spirit being poured out on all flesh. Let's read those in Joel 2, 28. It's on the screen behind me. And afterwards, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. And your young men will see visions, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And so God, even while he was only anointing certain people, he was giving us the prophecy, there's coming a day when that's going to change. There's coming a day when I'm going to give the Holy Spirit, not just to the individuals or to a tribe, tribe of Levi, but I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. I'm going to release the presence of the Holy Spirit to be poured out on hundreds, millions, billions of people. We see it again in Isaiah 44, 3. For I will pour out water to quench your thirst and to bring in to irrigate your parched fields. And I will pour out my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your children. Aren't you glad for that? Then we read in John chapter number 14, verse 12, where Jesus makes this statement, which is just kind of, it should just blow us away a little bit. Say, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than thee, because I am going to the Father. That's powerful. Here we see all that Jesus did. You think about the miracles that Jesus performed. You think about the fact he turned water into wine to bless the people at a reception of a wedding. You recognize he goes to this pool of Salome and he, he goes and he ministers to one man who had been there a very long time and God heals him and lifts him up. 
You think about the woman who just came and approached Jesus behind him and touched the hem of his garment, and she was instantly healed. Think about the times when Jesus, though doing something unusual, would spit on the ground and make mud and then put it on someone's eyes, and he was healed. You think about the miracles that God has done, all that Jesus did. And now he's saying, those who believe in me, they're going to do those works too. How many of you would say, sign me up? I'd like to see some of that happening, right? So we had that desire to minister to people and to fulfill our greatest purpose. But the verse goes on. He says, those works that I've done, you're going to do also, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. So here he's saying it's not just a matter of copying what I've done, but in the instance in which you live, there's going to be unique situations that are particular to your age, the time in which you live. And he's saying, don't be afraid to believe for something, even though you didn't see me do it. You live in a different age. Be free and open to the fact of miracles happening even through your hands and through your prayers. And so here God says, I'm, I want to enlarge your sense of purpose. And I want to ensure that you have the power you need to fulfill that purpose. And that's the power of the Holy Spirit. And so he's saying, who is it that will say, yes, Lord, do that in me. Lord, do that through me. It's those people who would say, I'm, Lord, I'm seeking you with all of my heart, all of my mind, all of my strength. Lord, I'm consistently following after you. It's not, a, it's not a week of fasting and then going back to normal. It's consistently following after God, consistently following after God. And God says, I'm filling you and filling you and filling you and filling you. And I'm releasing out of you gifts of the Holy Spirit so that you'll minister to other people your fullest potential. Well, you're in 1 Corinthians 12. Let's go back there. And let's look at some of the things that God wants to do in and through our lives. Now, we're going to really hone in on this in the month of June, so this is kind of a preamble. That's why you say, well, you're going kind of fast, Chris. This is the intro to what we're going to deal with in June. So here in 1 Corinthians 12, he's saying, man, it's the same Spirit, same Lord, working with all of the body of Christ. Well, let's pick up reading there in verse number 7. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. In other words, to each one person, manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good of the whole church. So all the gifts of the Spirit are for who? The benefit of the whole church. All the gifts of the Spirit are for the benefit of who? The whole church. All of the gifts of the Spirit are for the benefit of the whole church. See, that's what the gifts are for. They're not to draw attention to the individual. They're for the benefit of the whole church. Let's see what they are. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. Have you ever been in one of those situations where you were at a church or, you know, you're talking to your Christian friend or something, you're dealing with a problem and you're talking, and they just had a word. They just had like, have you thought about this? Hey, what about that? And it's just that wisdom given to them by the Spirit for your benefit, for the benefit of the church. Wisdom. Well, to another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. There are times when there's just 
a knowledge that someone speaks, they don't have that information. It's kind of like when Jesus met the, the woman at the well. Remember that? And she had been married five times. And then she was with a guy she wasn't married to. And uh, Jesus said, call your husband. She said, oh, I don't have one. He said, you're right. You've had five. See, that's a word of knowledge. He's saying, that's available for you too. Okay? I mean, be careful how you use that. Verse 9, to another faith by the same spirit. You ever met one of those people that just believe God for just crazy things? I mean, crazy good things. They just have great faith. It's just tremendous. I, had, I, I experienced this a little bit years ago. I was about 30 or something like that. And we had, we had uh, uh, had the opportunity to, to move the church into an existing church, but we needed to, to pay for it. <laughs> Some, somebody wanted their money for it. And um, so I said, God, I don't know if we need to move in this. I don't, I don't really know. But, Lord, I'm believing you for $100,000. That's back when $100,000 was $100,000. <laughs> Lord, I'm believing you for $100,000. I never believed God for $50,000. I never believed God for $20,000. believe I'm $100,000, God. The next day, I went back to pray, and I said, okay, God, okay, $20,000 would be fine. <laughs> And as soon as those words came out of my mouth, I realized, no. And I went back and said, okay, God, no. I'm believing you for $100,000. It's not twisting God's arm. It's just saying, God, I'm believing you for that. Amen? We got the 100000 just so I want to let you know that. So God is good, right? It wasn't, it wasn't me. It was God. It was God just saying, okay, I just need to test you on this, Chris, and test the church that you were pastoring at that time. And it was just a God thing. That's what's so beautiful about it. It's the gift of the Spirit working in each one of us for the benefit of the body of Christ. Okay, so we'll keep moving. As soon as I find my place. Knowledge, okay, to another faith. And to another, the gifts of healing by that one Spirit. Is there any, any Christian you know that if you get sick, you want them praying for you? I have a few of those people. If I, ever have a, if I ever get sick, I want them praying for me because there's just something unique about their situation. It is a gift of the Spirit. Okay. To another, miraculous powers. That's where just stuff happens. Now, all healings are miracles, but all miracles are not healing. So they can be like when Jesus turned the water into wine. He did not heal the water of its waterness. He transitioned it, and he changed it. And so God says, I, you're living in a day of miracles. And so we can believe for things that are just way beyond what we can do or naturally see. Okay? Then to another, prophecy. Boldly proclaiming the word of God in the right moment with the right word. Boldly proclaiming God's word. For what? For the benefit of the body of Christ. And distinguishing between spirits. Now, that's a, that's a unique one and, and really cool. And the word says, test every spirit. Here we see the distinguishing of spirits. I'll tell you a story about something that happened. Uh, some of you will remember uh, Jim Jones. He was a quote-unquote church leader who then transitioned into being a cult. And he had a pretty big following. And um, there was, they were having a meeting with him, uh, um, 
a uh, conference where he was the, the big guy, the big guest speaker. He was the one doing it. And then the advertisement, they say, come hear the man who has all nine of the gifts of the Spirit. But there was a man who was in that church at that time. And when that advertisement was put out, he said, wait a minute, that's not right. I don't need one person to have all the nine gifts. I need a body to have all the nine gifts. And he left that group. And of course, you, many of you remember what happened. Jim Jones led that church, that group of people, to Guyana and tried to do life down there. And eventually, uh, many of them committed suicide. It was a group suicide. And the ones that didn't were shot. And uh, I think it was about an equal number uh, between the two. So this man had the, the, the distinguishing between spirits. There's nothing wrong with having the gifts of the spirit, but he was saying, but there's something not quite right about this. God says, I'm, I'm giving to each a gift. Why one man, all nine gifts? See, there was a distinguishing there between, this is just off kilter a little bit. And when you get off kilter a little bit, it leads to being further and further off base, and it leads you to Guyana. Okay, we're cool. That was a little heavy, wasn't it? We're cool. These gifts are for a reason, right? Nobody wants to wind up in Guyana. I've never been there. It's a great country, I'm sure, but you know what I'm saying, okay? You don't want to wind up in a bad spot. <clears throat> okay. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. Uh, this would be languages. There are many instances where um, uh, people have been in a worship service like this, and they would be, start praying in a, in a language they don't know, and there actually was somebody nearby them from another country who spoke that language, and they were like, hey, I didn't know you knew my language. And they were like, I don't. Yeah, but you were praying for my country in, in perfect whatever the language is. You don't know my language? No, I don't know your language. So there's way, what are the gifts for? For the edifying of the whole body, the whole church. Okay. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. So there, is, there can be a praying in tongues. There's a message in tongues with an interpretation that brings what? Edification to the body. It helps and builds up the whole body. And all these, verse 11, all these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. It is very important for us to begin to know the gift, gifts that God's given us and the gift that He wants us to be used in in that moment. Uh, that's very important for that self-awareness to say, okay, God, I, you know, I'm feeling led to, to pray for people who are sick. Well, probably the Holy Spirit's given you that gift of healing. It is for the benefit of the body of Christ. You might say, I just, I just want to speak God's word boldly, and I want to just proclaim it so people will get God's word. Well, prophecy. You see how all that works. And so we need to be aware of the gift that God's given us, and it could be gifts. There can be more than one, but... We need to be aware of that. But we also need to be aware of the gift that God's given to other people and to allow them to flourish in that gift and allow that gift to bring edification and encouragement to each one of us. But the key is this, is that each one of us be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
that each one of us would say, God, I just want you to do in my life what you want to do. I want to fulfill my greatest purpose. How many of you, when you get to be 100 years old and you're looking back at your life, you're going to look back and go, you know what? I had a great life. I woke up in the morning and I got dressed and I brushed my teeth and ate breakfast and I went to work. And then I came home and I ate dinner and I watched TV and I went to bed. And the next day I got up and I got dressed and I went to work. Then I came home and I ate dinner and watched TV and I went to bed. Wow, what a great life I had. Nobody wants to get to be 100 years old and say that. I mean, am I in the right place? What do we want? To, we want to look back and go, wow, did you see what God did? You remember when this happened? You remember when that, we didn't know what to do. And all of a sudden, God just dropped that word of wisdom into somebody's life, that word of knowledge. Wow, it was amazing. We want to look back and we want, we want to say, Wow. We don't want to say, hmm. We want to say, how many of you want to say, wow, when you look back at your life? Well, the way to do that is to say, Lord, fill me with your spirit so that the gifts of the spirit can flow through my life to minister to the body of Christ. What is, what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit all about? Number one, it's about asking to say, Lord, please fill me with your spirit. I, I just want to Get rid of stuff that doesn't even matter. And I'm just asking you to fill that void in my life. God, just come in, come in, come in and fill me to overflowing. Secondly, it's about receiving. It's just creating that space and saying, Lord, I receive. I receive you into my life. We're talking about Christianity. When you're a Christian, you're given the Holy Spirit. There's no doubt about that. It's completely what the Word of God tells us. But I don't know about you, but I've, I've got to constantly battle this flesh and the spirit thing. Maybe all y'all are better Christians than me, but I'm constantly battling this flesh and spirit. And I need the power of the Holy Spirit to win that battle. So I'm saying, God, fill me to overflowing with your spirit. Fill me more and more with your spirit, God. Let your words sink down deep in my life and the nourishment of your spirit. Third, it's about living. It's about living in the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit in you. So that, yes, those gifts begin to operate in our lives and we begin to be led by the Holy Spirit at a greater level than ever before. Some of you that own businesses, you need the wisdom of the Holy Spirit in your life to know what to do and when and how and who to hire and who not to hire. You need all of that wisdom that comes from the Holy Spirit. Take all that you've learned in, in college and university. Take all of that. Some of it's actually good. Take all of it. I went too far, didn't I? But I'm just simply saying, compared to the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, well, there is no comparison to the wisdom of the Holy Spirit because he will tell you, yes, no, move forward, hold back a little bit, go left, go right. Right before the 08 recession hit and all the stock, stock market went down, I was meeting with an older guy, a great Christian, been serving God, him and his wife, his family, their whole life. And he said, you know, about six months before that happened, I was praying, just having my morning devotion, just praying, and the Holy Spirit told me, shift your stocks. So he called up his stock broker. He said, I want to make some shifts in my stocks, and I want you to, re I want you to buy some, sell that and buy this. Six months later, you know what happened. That's the wisdom that God gives us. 
to where we know what to do. So we live that way. And then third, uh, fourth, it's about asking again. It's about saying, today, Lord, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. When we wake up on Wednesday, today, Lord, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. When we wake up every day, today, God, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Because then we live to our greatest potential. Our greatest potential. And that's when we get to the end of our life and we look back and we go, wow. Yes, Lord, thank you. Amen?